what a day that'll be. We're looking forward to that with all, with a great anticipation. And especially as the days grow longer and we get closer to the times of the tribulation that is headed upon the earth. And we can feel the winds already blowing as it begins to move across the earth. And things are changing. The climates are changing in, in, in spiritual life and home life and political life. In nations, things are happening. We're here in a time of fulfillment of great prophecy. Let us prepare our hearts to meet the Lord. Amen. To be a part of that great coming here in this last day where he comes and he descends from heaven with a shout and with a message, with the voice of an archangel. And someone takes the book and eat it and becomes one with that voice. Amen. That they speak the word of God in this end time. Finally, for the great trump to sound and all the dead in Christ to rise. We're looking forward to that. It ought to be our anticipation, what we, we long for in our heart. We're going to be talking about some of those things this morning. Amen. God bless you. Luke chapter 17, verse 28 is where we'll begin reading from. Good to have each one of you with us today and pray the Lord's special blessings upon you all. Luke chapter 17, verse 28, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same, way, same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Notice this is not just the coming of the Son of Man, but the revealing of the Son of Man. When the Word is revealed, there's also going to be a, 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 an exposing or revealing of the, of the man of sin and his works and what he's done down to the ages. Is in the white horse, red horse, pale, and uh, black and pale is, uh, as it, uh, the Antichrist rides. And an exposing of him at the same time at the revealing of the Son of Man. So the man of sin is revealed and the Son of Man is revealed. Now Genesis 18 verse 20. Genesis 18 verse 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is very grievous. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. Amen. May God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to be speaking today on the investigating angels of judgment, because we are in a time of investigating, investigation judgment, where angels investigate and discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This will be something we saw through the prophetic ministry of Brother William Branham as over and over again, time after time, without fail, that um, the hearts were discerned, uh, sins were exposed, and um, things were, were brought to light um, because of the discerning of the angel, as it says 
you know, I will go down now and see whether they have done according to the cry of it. So God is actually doing an, an investigation in this last day. And then a judgment follows that investigation. Now, as you know, the Holy Ghost um, dispensation came in and will continue on by the administration of angels to the church. Uh, there are ordained spirits of God. They're sent from God to carry out God's orders, his plan. And, and of course, um, every man through, you know, who had a special calling back to the ages, um, angels visited them. And uh, in the last age, as it was in the days of Sodom, the Bible said, when the Son of Man is revealed, there is again to be angelic visitations. And one thing that they are looking for is to find faith. So there are things that as they investigate and separate, remember the last day is a separation where the angels go forth and separate because um, they separate the tare from the wheat and, and, um, and some, are, some are put in one classification by the angels and some in another. And then we, we have viewed in the book of Genesis and as we have been uh, speaking about this, in Genesis 18 were three messengers. One was God himself came to Abraham and they're described as men. But when the two of them appeared at the gate of Sodom, Genesis 19.1 says of them, and there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat at the gate of Sodom. Right. Now, so if you'll see this just for a moment, they come and they appeared as men, but they were angels. Right. Now, you know, again, um, yet if that um, as we... As we see, they weren't all angels, but actually one was a self-manifestation of Elohim himself. Amen. So there are specific anointings that will anoint people in the last day. There will be uh, those of the Abraham group, they will be visited by Elohim himself. If you'll see this in uh, Genesis um, 18.22, when the men turned their faces from them and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So two of them were angels, went down to Sodom, while the, the, the man which was the Lord stood before Abraham. And the, this is the one that would discern Sarah's heart. He was coming to and looking for faith. Now, as we, as we know, the phenomena was being done. This was a, a, a miraculous event. This was a time where the pillar of fire, the, the light, the logos of, of God, the pre-incarnate Christ came down in Abraham's day and he would touch the soil and gather the necessary elements to make a body for himself and two angels and they stepped into them. Right. Now I want, you to, I want you just to visualize they come from light, they came from the light and stepped into this dimension. And when they stepped into this dimension, they touched soil. And as they touched soil, they drew from that the elements to make a human body and appear now as men before Abraham. Amen. Now, 
That shouldn't be too hard for you to grasp. If you got the Holy Ghost, that is. Because the, the pillar of fire, the Holy Ghost, hovered over your soil one day. And, and a portion of that Holy Spirit came in your life. Amen. So when, when Abraham and Sarah are standing before the Lord, it is at that time that Sarah now is investigated and, and her heart is discerned and it is found that she is lacking faith. Now, now again, he, because this is what he will do when he comes, he will investigate or look to find faith. That's the number one thing that he's wanting to. He wants a bride, a church that believes him. Are you with me? That believes his word above theologians, above the denominational ideas that exalts the Bible over the trends of the day. Are you with me? They take the word of God and they believe that word with all of their heart. They stick their lives on it. Amen. And so, again, again, this is what Jesus said. When, when, you know, will I find faith in my investigation when I come? So if you turn with me to Luke chapter 18, you'll see he spake a parable to them uh, and to this end that men ought to always pray and not to faint. Now he gives us this to teach us, don't quit praying and don't give up on a promise. If you're wanting a promise from God, if there's something that you need from God, don't give up. If you're seeking the Holy Ghost, don't quit. Amen. If you're seeking healing, keep pounding at the door. Keep knocking, keep on seeking, amen, keep on asking. If your children are lost, don't give up on them. You keep on knocking. You keep on believing. You got somebody sick in your family, in the church or whatever, you don't give up on a promise. So he tells us, um, saying that there was a, in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine enemies, or my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards, he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect? which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith. He is going to be looking for faith. Listen, if he says, shall I find faith, this is what he's looking for. He is investigating hearts to find somebody that will believe him. Somebody that will give the word preeminence. Now this translation says it this way. Then the master said, do, do you hear what the judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you, he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? Persistent faith. Not easy believism. Persistent faith. People who won't quit. 
Amen. People who won't give up. To people who will not let go of a promise. But they're going to see it manifested in their lives. Are you with me? Amen. Now, as I have been through things in the past, and I want to just bring it out again to you, again today, God will do extreme things to get you to believe. Amen. This angel is real, and he'll go out to all out to get a people believing. Hallelujah. I believe that. As, um, as, as it was when Brother Branham visited South Africa, and, I, and I'm just going to show you the, the, how God will go out, all out to do things. There was a couple of brothers that were talking. They were, uh, they were Dutch Reformed ministers, and, and, um, and they, were, um, they were there in South Africa, and they, they were arguing with one another about the meetings, and, and um, one was... One was calling, the, you know, Brother Branham, he's just a spiritualist, and he's nothing but a spiritualist. And the other man um, was, was on, the, on the other side of the argument, and he was saying, no, this is our day of visitation. And we should hear, and you should hear this. And, and, uh, and so he said, well, he ain't nothing but a spiritualist. And he said, well, did you ever see a spiritualist heal the sick? He said, no. He said, well, I'll tell you what. You know, I, you, you're, you're such a, in a sinful, unbelieving condition. I'll just go out and pray for your lost soul. And he got down in the backyard and knelt down under a, a tree and began to pray and say, God, have mercy on my friend's soul. And when he did, down before him came the angel of the Lord in a whirl. And as it moved, this angel came and laid his hand on his shoulder and told him to return back to his friend. And there, when, when, he, when he got together with his friend and, and, uh, and there, and he told him about the angel's visitation and that this was their day of visitation, then the, then the, the, the man looked and on, the man, on his back where the angel had touched him was the scorched print of the angel's hand laying on his shirt. That's what I'm saying. God will do some extreme things sometimes to get us to believe. God's going to have somebody in this day who will believe him. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. He'll do whatever he has to do to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. If he asked her, and he did, raise up a prophet in the spirit and the power of Elias. Amen. Now, he wasn't Elijah, but he was in the spirit of Elijah. Amen, which was the anointing of Christ upon him for a prophetic work. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. God does some things very, very drastic sometimes. Amen. Just like what happened in the meetings there in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where a lady was playing on the piano, the great physician now is near, the sympathizing Jesus as the prayer line was going through. And they handed Brother Branham a hideously crippled up, twisted up child who's had club feet and, and, and limbs were twisted. And Brother Branham stood and held, clutched that child to his bosom and began to pray over that child. And as he did, there was a bright light that got shown on him. And he actually, in his human thoughts, said, this is very rude, you know, for the custodian to turn a light on like that for, on me and blind me like this. And, and, and he opened his eyes to see 
um, the light and, and it was the pillar of fire that was hanging over him. And he was, he was so, um, he was so shocked there in that moment. He dropped the child and the child took off running. His limbs untwisted and ran across the platform. And this little girl, I don't know what religion she was. She was Protestant of some sort, but she was sitting there playing the piano. And as she watched that child run across the platform, she jumped up and began to lift her hands and began to dance in the spirit over the, over the platform. And the piano never missed a beat, continually playing. The great physician now is near the sympathizing Jesus. What is it God doing everything he can to let you know I am the God present for you in your situation. I am the sympathizing Jesus. I'm the great physician. Amen. That there's nothing too hard for the Lord. No matter how twisted up, how crippled, how, de how deformed that you are. This God, nothing's too hard for him. In one moment, he can change your life forever. It was these things that brought us to the realization and the recognition of the unseen world that we were blinded to because of sin. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And because of that, we were, we, we were lacking that vision or that ability to see that realm of angels, that unseen realm of the power of God. Amen. Now, and so, but God was wanting to bring to us the reality of the unseen world, even to the point that Brother Branham would be told by the angel, you know, that your thoughts are louder in heaven than your words are on earth. So then that God knows every thought. He hears every prayer. This is why so often, you know, I saw you. You were there. You were sitting on the sofa. You were looking out the window. And as you there, you were praying, oh, God, somehow if I could get in that prayer line. And we repeat back the prayers that they had because God heard those prayers. God was wanting you to know he's a personal God and that you are receiving a visitation. This is the day of his visitation. We're living in that time. Now, you know, it was in 1946, and we have been through this before, but just to remind you again, um, 1946, where that in the meetings of Brother Branham's there, where um, it, it, prophecy rang out twice that year, once in San Antonio and another in another place, where tongues and interpretation went forth. And it was a stern message that was given, and both of them were almost identical. And they were given a, a testimony of the authenticity of, this, uh, of the ministry of Brother Branham. And it was uttered with such a rousing force. They said that it just seemed unearthly. This is the way that they described it. And, the, and yet this was the, the, the message. As John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. You're sent with a message. 
to forerun the second coming of Christ. You see, it was things like that, again, that this would be echoed again, as I said, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, by, by Sister Anna Schrader. None, neither, none of these had heard of that. None of them had heard of the light coming down and speaking and saying as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ as Brother Branham was baptizing in the, on the Ohio River in 1933. None of them had heard of this, but now God was even speaking through the Pentecostal people. Amen. To rouse them, to stir them, to make them realize, you know, God was doing some very extreme things. Amen. We could testify of T.O. Osborne who would say the same that he said, I didn't know the voice had spoke these words. I knew nothing of that. I had not been with any of the other ministers that believed in, in him, but because most that I was with did not believe in him within him. But like a voice. Yet not a voice. I heard it. It came to me as John the Baptist was sent as a forerunner of his first coming. William Branham is a forerunner of his second coming. Amen. Now, how can we be accused of making Brother Branham Elijah or calling him Elijah when if he went forth into power like John the Baptist who went forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And they themselves had to testify of it. You see, God was doing things that was phenomenal. I've been through it where he would take a a, a young boy, little David Walker, and, and call him out in a ministry and give him a supernatural ministry. It was an era of time where God was preparing hearts. Amen. Trying again one more time, I want to get it to you, not just to heal the sick and God show his power, but for him to be able to restore a faith in a faithless old woman, the church, like who had given up on the promise. Are you with me? Who who was no longer truly expecting the coming of the Lord. And I'll tell you, if there was ever a people that was under anticipation for the coming of the Lord, it is our generation. Because God has done phenomenal, extraordinary, extreme things to get us on on course so we would believe. Just one more. I I would mention uh, Jack Coe's faith. How it was anointed. And man, you know, Jack Cole was an Assembly of God preacher. He was doing his own little evangelistic work. And, you know, and hear him talking, he said, you know, we kind of figured if it wasn't us, it wasn't nobody. So he said, but he began to hear of these phenomenal things and decided to go to the meeting. And, and, uh, and he said, I sat there as a skeptic. You know, I, I, as Brother Branham looked at a man who was blind with no eyeballs, and, and he told him in three days, eyeballs will form, and after that you'll see. And then Jack Scoff said, you know, anybody can say that. You know, this man had, had disappeared out in the crowd, and there's a big thousands of people there, and, you know, we'll never see him again. How will we know he ever gets eyesight? 
And so as he sat there, Brother Branham starts to leave the platform at the end of the service. He walks by Jack Cole and he pats him on the leg and, and he says, um, or on the knee, he said, you're not sick. You're just worn down from preaching meetings. He said, don't be skeptical. You were doubting whether this is of God and whatnot. I want to tell you this is of God and we're both fighting the same devil. Go and continue in your revival for you also were called to pray for the sick. And on the third day, Jack went back to the meeting because he wanted to check out this man. And he found this man. And by that time, eyeballs had formed in his eyes, but he still couldn't see. But by evening, he was seeing. And he was shouting all over the place for the glories of God. And even Jack would have to admit and know, he said, William Branham was born for dispensational purposes. Amen. And I'm going to just tell you and remind you, we cannot afford to go to sleep in this hour. Amen. God has spoken out particularly for your day and your hour to awaken your faith. Amen. God's doing extreme things to let you know that you are in the cycle, in the very hour of his coming. Amen. Then how can we just sit complacent? Amen. How can you treat these moments just like they were another moment in time? This is not just another moment in time. This is where God's doing extreme things. Moving in extreme ways. I just want to say to you, how can you dare let the devil destroy your home and your marriage? How do you dare, how dare you to just gallop down television and movies and, and worship sports gods and spend hours in pornography or playing useless video games that steal your time when we were told to redeem the time, the day is evil. How can you just settle down as complacent as though this is just another Hagar move? Where another denominational move just produce another wild child and, you know, everything go back to normal. Sarah's never going to receive that promise. Jesus is not coming back, not in our generation. And I ask you, could God have made a mistake? This God who time after time showed how accurate his word could be. Could it be that this age could get so faithless? The time so evil that Laodicea would get so bad. And even the majority of the age would put him outside the church. And God then would simply just have to give up on his divine plans and go back in the heavens and forget it all and just become the absentee creator of the earth. Could it be that God made a mistake saying this was his forerunner of his second coming? I'm just going to say there is no mistake in the word. God sent a forerunner to prepare hearts for the coming of the Lord, and it must prepare your heart. Amen. You must be one that opens your heart to it and say, God, prepare me. And as a church body, we ought to be ones who are opening our hearts and saying, God, prepare this church for the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. For he said, I will return to you according to the time of life. You know, yesterday, I listened to the first 10 chapters of Luke. 
like today, like we are in this age, an angel came. But this angel's name was Gabriel. And he came to Zechariah and he told him he was to have a son. And when he was told this, he immediately doubted and questioned the angel. Are you with me? Amen. And he was struck dumb until the, the baby was born. I'm going to just tell you, God doesn't like it when we disbelieve. Amen. I, and, I, and, I, and I just say, God, shut my mouth. Keep me from saying and uttering any unbelief. Whatever, Lord, I, I don't want to be a, a part of a faithless generation. Amen. Now, he would, he would command him, said, now you're going to bring forth a son, and he is never to take wine or other fermented drink. Well, I couldn't help but think of the last day forerunner who, like John the Baptist, was told by a voice in a whirlwind in a tree at seven years old, never drink or smoke or defile your body in any way, for I have a work for you to do when you're older. Amen. What a messenger that God would prepare him in such a way. He wouldn't be educated by men. He didn't even come with a high school education, let alone a degree from a university. And why, is it, why do you think that's so great, Brother Tim? Why do you exalt that thought? How, how come you don't, like the rest of the world, look down on it? This man had poor grammar, and this man was uneducated, and this man, because this man, Instead of being dependent on his learning from the, from the university, from, from the religious theology, amen, he had to be dependent upon the angel for his knowledge. That's why, that's why that even his advice shouldn't be discounted. Amen. Even some of the insight, you say, well, that was his opinion. I'll tell you, when you realize a man's opinion many times is based on a spiritual revelation. So then you've got to be really careful about how you discount things that are said. Are you with me? And I couldn't help but think of Mary where, uh, where an angel came to her, the angel Gabriel, looking for a virgin. Remember, he was looking for a virgin. And, and one that would believe in the creation of God that she could have a child by creation without knowing a man. Now, I'm going to tell you, this was even more difficult than what, than what uh, Sarah had to believe. Sarah had to believe that she, 90 years old, could give birth to a child. Amen. But this woman had to believe that she could have a child without even knowing a man. And God in this day is looking for a virtuous people, a virgin people, not polluted by men's ideas. A man who, will, who can believe that God will actually bring back and fulfill his word Amen. That there will be a change of the body. There will be a meeting in the air. There will be a rapture for a church. And it's going to happen with angels appearing. Not only an angel, 
but your angel, your theophany appearing to you. It's going to happen to people who are familiar with the pillar of fire. With that holy light of God moving down among them that knows their hearts, that knows their thoughts, that knows whether or not they've got faith or not. Now, it's the investigating judgment. Once again, where the angel is seeking out someone who is a virgin, not a part of the whole horror system, unpolluted by the seed of, and, and theology of man, but a woman, a bride, who will bring forth children of the word and finally bring forth Christ back to the earth again. Right. Now, so God does some extreme things to get you to believe. Amen. And he, he goes extreme to give us examples of what God will do in the end time. He would take Sarah now, who is past 90. He, he would wait until she is past 90. Why not do this when she's a young girl? I'll give you a child. You're going to have a child, and his name is Isaac. And, and why not give it to him when she's a young lady and a full spring in her step, and she can have many, many years with this boy and, and, and everything. Any way she waits, God waits till she's impossible. God waits till she's 90, and she's past childbearing. Now, why does he do that? Again, it's a prophecy. It's speaking of the last day where he would demonstrate to us his power once again. And he shows it in the type with Sarah. That, and, he, and he wants us to understand that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Now, Sarah, of course, didn't have the faith. But that's why he came. Because he's got to have faith. Now let me explain something to you. God said I'll have a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish. He says there will be a rapture. Amen. Now if there's a people unprepared for it, that don't change what he said. He's still going to have a rapture and he's still going to have a people without spot or wrinkle or blemish. He will take, he will have a bride that, that is a spotless bride who will be united to him. And if there isn't one, he'll create one. He'll bring a message, his own word, and create a bride, a people for his namesake. Are you with me? Because, again, he's showing us there is nothing too hard for the Lord. But you're in Laodicea, Brother Tim. You're in the last day where the rich increase with goods and have need of nothing and are wretched and miserable, blind and poor and naked and self-centered on their own a religious way, yet religious people and going about their way. And it's going to be impossible, but is there anything too hard for the Lord? I'm going to do it. Now, when he comes and he doesn't find the faith, then he brings a visitation in order to get that faith. That means that's why the angel's always shaking you. 
move away from that unbelief. Move into God. I want to I increase your faith. I want to raise it up another level. Amen. That's what Brother Branham would do many times with his gift. He said, now the gift doesn't heal. It just raises your faith to a higher level so you can receive the promise. And that's what God would have to do in this last day. He would have to raise the faith of a people into a rapturing faith. Somebody with me? Now, this, of course, nothing would happen until Sarah quit looking at herself. And she quit looking at you know, there, there again, it's the secret to, to sickness that you're, you look at the sickness, you see how bad it is, how bad off I am, or how, how you know, this is something I can never get over. Or nobody's ever had a case like mine, or it is, you know, I'll never get well. I've had this 15 years, or I've done this, and I've done that, and I've tried this, and I've tried that. You know, as long as you're looking at yourself. But here in Hebrews 11, 11, it gives us the key. Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, when she judged him faithful who had promised. Now she can look back at herself and see where she hadn't been faithful to believe. Come on. But now she got her eyes over herself and that she's 90 and how impossible it is. Come on. Amen. Where she even laughed within herself and kind of, you know, you know, mocked at me, an old woman, you know, have pleasure. Does this man not know how old I am? You know, I'm past 90 and, and I have pleasure with my Lord and he's old also. Amen. But when she turned from her problem, and look to him and judge him faithful. Amen. You know, sometimes you can look at faults and you can look at situations and you can look at your own shortcomings and how will God ever get a bride out of this mess? But oh, if you can turn your eyes off of the trouble around you and off of Laodicea and the world around you and put your eyes back on Jesus. Amen, and realize there is nothing that is too hard for the Lord, and he'll do everything he can to get me believing. Will I find faith is his question. If he's finding, he's investigating, looking for faith. Betty Daughtery, she was one of the first healed in the early campaigns, Brother Branham went to Brother Daughtery's church. So it was a long story, but they thought at the time she had St. Vitus dance. Doctors had given up on her, didn't know what it was. And finally come down to Brother Branham had a vision. And in that vision, he would see her, a little, a little child some couple of years before. And she was playing around an old cellar. And she tripped and fell, hit her back on a stone, and knocked a vertebrae way out of condition in her back. And, and he, 
he, he was told, just take there and and, and as he, they prayed, he just pressed down on that spot and it went right down, the, the spine went right back into place again and the child was healed. And this is one of the very first things where the visions were, were being manifested. Now, but sometime later, when she is now a young woman, she again has got a, some sort of affliction. I don't know what it is, it's something else. <laughs> But anyway, she comes in the prayer line, and, and as I was with Moses, and he says, he says to her, Betty, he said, you've grown up, and you're a beautiful girl. And he says, but now is there anything down in your life that you've failed, Betty? Now, just as a doctor would look over your physical body, I want to look through your soul. Have you failed God anywhere, Betty? If there is, just acknowledge it to him. Lord, if you'll let me go over it again, I'll do different. All right. Come on, brother. Think of that. Now here again, she, she is now an older girl. Now she's at the age, past the age of accountability. Now she's a young adult and she's done something. And she pulls him. He pulls Brother Branham aside and whispers something in his ears, and they have prayer together. But you see, again, I want you to get it as a doctor. He said, would look over your physical body. I want to look down into your soul. Have you failed God anywhere? Now, that pillar of fire still has that same ability. To look right down into the very soul of a man or a woman Amen. and discern the very thoughts and the intents, that's the intentions of the heart. That's right, brother. And that same angel of God has ways to speak and convict and to convince you of sin. And especially if you have the Holy Ghost, because that's one of the signs of the indwelling spirit. He will convince you of sin. And I'll just say, if you can sin and just get on by with it, you're missing something very important in your life. Look down into the soul. Not just see... You know, this, this is the way the judgment is going to be. The great white throne judgment. Now, maybe I'm carnal, but this is the way I view it. This is the way, I mean, it'll be eternity. eternity. Sometimes, you know, wouldn't it be neat just to sit back for, for, for a time where there's no time, but for um, this opportunity? To start back with God as he, and maybe some of it he would fast forward it to bring it down through the millions of years as it moves from the invisible God to a visible form of the Logos and Logos to begin to do his work and brood over the earth and bring up the creation and move along like that. And then it finally it's going to come down to your time. And some of you, we will see this very service play back again. Amen. Come on. Amen. 
And we will see what you did with the word. This time, what was done in secret will be shouted from the housetop. This time, not just your, not just your actions will be there, but your motive. What was really in your heart will be displayed. And it'll be displayed for the whole world. And you'll see yourself walk right back into the church again and replay scene after scene after scene. I'm telling you, you, let me tell you, I will not have to judge you and condemn you to hell. God will not have to do it. Your own sins. Because God would show us through this prophet that everything is recorded. He would go back 40 years in life and say, look, I saw it. It was a black dog. He got after you. He scared you. Ever since this, you've been this way. You barely made it into the house. The screen door just slammed behind you. And, this, and it scared you. It's a scare. And it started a complex in your life. It's all recorded. So it's one great video. But it contains more than what we see now. It contains your thoughts, your intentions, your attitude. That's what the judgment is going to be. Your, your own actions will, the Bible said, they'll be judged for the, by the deeds done in their body. Amen. Now that's, that's going to be serious. And I'll tell you how serious it is. Brother Brandon said, let my belly be cut open and let sulfur be burned in it. He said, but don't let me stand at that white throne judgment. Now let me stop a minute. And let's talk about that just a second. Because it started when you were a little baby. And it goes right on, recording, recording, recording to the end of your life. But I'm telling you, for a believer, there will be none of those acts. There will be none of those sins. There will be none of that to condemn you. Because the blood of Christ will have been applied to your video. And the only thing will be seen is your righteousness. That's the only thing that will stop that voice is the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you say, Brother Tim, that's sobering. Yeah, it's going to be in like huge neon. You know, just think right here. We got it wrote. I will... Fear no evil, for you are with me. But what if that contained your thoughts of this past week? You would feel very exposed. To the Psalms 23, 4, Joe Adams. You feel exposed. That's the way it's going to be at the judgment. You will be totally exposed. What is done in secret will be shouted from the housetop. And there's only one thing that will cleanse the record. 
Oh, I'm glad to say the old account was settled long ago. Hallelujah. I've been plunged in the blood. And I'm going to just tell you, even in there, it won't even be a blimp. Won't even come to a spot and there's a blimp. Oh, there was something done there, but we don't know what it was. It was covered. No, there won't be a blimp. There won't be a spot of it, a speck of it. You say, he staggered now at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving praise to God. Will I find faith? Investigating judgment. I'm taking too long on some of this. I've got a long ways to go. You know, he said, these gifts are only to show you what God's attitude toward the people to get you people back to believe in God. Because if you haven't got faith enough to believe for your sick body, how are you going to have faith enough for rapture? He says, Jesus asked this question, when I return to earth, will I find faith? There's got to be a, a great church full of faith. And God sent these things down to stimulate faith, to bring out faith, to prove what faith is. And so this is why God would do what he's done in our generation. Not just to show his power, but he wanted to get you believing. Now, again, would he find faith? Knowing that that would be one thing that people would lay on, uh, let go on. Hearing the, also the Holy Spirit speak in these last days, how these times would come. Men would have a form of godliness, but deny the power, lack of faith. And we thank thee, Lord, tonight because that in our hearts we feel we have just a little faith. And help us, Lord, that our faith might be increased tonight. Until it be so high, so lost and complete, surrendered in Christ until great and mighty works will be shown tonight. Forgive us of our shortcomings now and help us. May the Holy Spirit just now, the great officer of God here in the earth, searching out for a bride for the Lord Jesus, may he visit every heart here in a special way. What the great officer of the Holy Spirit Again, I truly believe before the church can have a rapture, it's got to have a rapture in faith. We cannot even have faith for divine healing, let alone rapture in faith. Got to have a faith that it change and quicken this body and be taken away. I believe there's a church on its road tonight. A power of the living God that men will speak the word here and there and in a flash like lightning. And the church is coming out, not a psychologist, not someone who's put on or make-believe, but a real, genuine, anointed, Holy Ghost called out church. Abraham and Lot are shown in the wise and the foolish virgins. There comes a separation time. For a while, they're gathered together. For a while, Abraham and Lot will walk together. But there comes a time of separation. One of them sanctified, having a profession. If you look with me, um, in 2 uh, Peter 2 and 6, you'll see this scripture. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow and making them an example unto those 
that after should live ungodly and deliver just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Amen. So you see, he was a sanctified man. Lot, a sanctified, he types the church who goes through the tribulation. He was a man lacking the Holy Spirit. But yet he was righteous. It was something, you know, that he was in Sodom, but it vexed him. Oh, there's many a righteous people out there. Good, sanctified, wonderful people. Are you with me? Amen. Who today will wind up in the tribulation period who miss the rapture because Lot never had the faith of Abraham. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. He didn't stay with the promise, but he drifted from it. Though he was a righteous man and though it vexed him. Oh, I tell you what, how many people are through America today that are vexed at the sins that are being done? You know, that are troubled with, with the way that our government is going and, and, and running over the Constitution and many other, other things, and they're, they're vexed about it, and they don't know what to do. They, I mean, if they're frustrated. Yeah. I mean, they're frustrated about it. And to think of it, you can be justified and without being sanctified, and you can be sanctified without having the Holy Ghost and being clean and a pure life and a form of godliness, deny the power of healing, speaking in tongues, great gifts of God, and every one of them right here in the Bible. There's your five virgins that had oil with their lamps, rapture in faith, believing all the signs, wonders, and prophecies. And these five of that cut out of this remnant was taken away, the rest we're still virgins, will not be lost, but goes through the tribulation period where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. So, you know, again, he would say, how can you have rapture in faith when we haven't got healing faith? Now, he's not talking about you have been praying for something for 15 years and ain't got healed yet and you're hanging on to the promise and you don't have the faith yet. He's talking about the church. If they, I can't get the church to even believe for divine healing. How am I ever going to get a people to believe for complete divine healing and their body be changed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye, which is a greater healing than a heart trouble leaving or cancer being taken away? And if I can't get you to believe me for that, how am I going to get you to believe for something greater? Amen. Now, so he says... He says, we're moving right now into another great age coming for the rapture of the church. And this, I believe, we're living in the time of restoration of gifts. It stumbled many of the fine churches. It sent Nazarenes backwards. It made fanatics out of a lot of Pentecostals. But just the same, God is moving right on, bringing in the rapture and faith of his church. That's right. So tonight, I represent that faith. That faith that was once delivered to the saints in the way of a divine gift. Amen. And I think we can say that. He well represented that faith. Amen. Again, in, in, the, in, the, in the first seal, there's something we got to step farther. 
We can't have enough faith for divine healing hardly. We've got to have enough faith to be changed in a moment, be swept up out of this earth. Oh, he would look at the church comparing to Samson. We got members, but you're weak. You lost your covenant with God. Got members, got bigger muscles, but where's the strength of the Lord? Your big muscles won't meet the challenge of the hour, the rapture and faith to take the church out of this thing before the judgment strikes the earth. Don't we realize where we're at? This is the challenge of the hour. I mean, we're preaching about divine healing and faith in the church and the power of God working in the church. Are you with me? But let me tell you something, friends. It's got the challenge of the hour is not just divine healing faith, but rapture in faith of people who will believe to the coming of the Lord. Now, what an hour this is. He said, someone asked me about the coming and the rapture. We know we've lived the time out. At the time of the rapture is at hand. And we're looking for a rapture in faith that can pull the church together and give it some supernatural strength that can change these bodies that we, can, that we live in. When we see a God that can raise the dead off the floor or out in the yard and bring him back to life again and present him before us. And when we see a God who can take a cancer that's eat a man to a shadow and raise him up to a strong, healthy man, that ought to give rapture and faith to the people. That when that light flashes, I want you to watch this word. When the light flashes from the sky and the trumpet sounds, the body of Christ will be quickly gathered together and changed in a moment and taken to the heavens. Yes, there's something that's got to happen. And our intellectual theology ain't going to produce it. This is why he says, I want you built up. In the holy oracles of God. In the faith, the faith of this hour. The faith that's going to take more faith than ever was in any age. This has to be rapture and faith be taken up. So we want you to believe that on all you've seen and heard, the words you've heard preached, the signs and wonders you've seen, we want you to accumulate that all together in your heart and consider whether it's God or not. Let me just ask you, is it God or isn't it God? Is it God that changed your life or wasn't it God? Amen. Was it God that took some of you that were dope addicts, went to jail for it? Amen. And God transformed your life and made a new creature out of you. Is it God that would heal the cancer among us, that would touch a crippled child, that would open up the eyes of blind? Is it God who would give hearing back to the deaf? Come on, somebody. Amen. We ought to, then we ought to accumulate all of that in our heart together. Amen. And consider, is it God or not God? And if it's God, when we should do like Elijah. And he said, if God be God, then serve him. Hallelujah. He ought to let go of everything else, in other words. And serve God with all your heart. Put everything you've got into it. Until he becomes a compass for your life. When he becomes a compass, you're no longer going to what the little 
twiddly work women at your work is saying about how cute, you know, this hairstyle is and that paint and this and that. You quit giving that any validity and you give the word preeminence. Come on. Amen. When you, when you begin to do that, you quit looking at social media and comparing yourself with them out there in the world and your have-nots. And I can't, and I can't, and I can't, and I can't have this, and I can't have that. And when you give the word the preeminence, then it becomes the guide in your life. Jesus, in his last commission that he gave his church when he appeared to the eleven, he upbraided them because of their hardness of heart and their unbelief. Can you believe this? Isn't 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 this incredible that after all they had seen done, the miracles, signs, wonders, Lazarus, after four days, he, you know, brought back to life. The, the widow's son at Nain, you know, coming out on a, on a, a beer as they were bringing him out. And, and, then, and, and there Jesus stops it and, and, and tells him to rise up and walk. And man, what about the Jairus' daughter? And Peter, James, and John goes in there with him. And, and he says, she's not dead like you think. She just sleeps. Amen. And they laughed him to scorn because she was dead. And he raised her up, called her spirit back from the other realms, raised her up to life again, delivered her to her parents. Come on, somebody. Amen. And then after all the things happened, the death, the burial, the resurrection, seeing him after he was alive, and he still happened to upbraid them because of their hardness of hearts and unbelief. Because they believed not them, but they had seen him after his, res- after his resurrection. And he says to them, you know, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And then it said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. So you've been taught to shake hands and put their name on a book. Jesus said different. These signs shall follow them. That believe in my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with no tongues. They will take up serpents or drink deadly things. It wouldn't harm them. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And that's the last commission Jesus gave. And here's the question. Will I find faith when I return? Will I, you know, he didn't say, will I find righteousness? Will I find a church? He said, will I find faith? Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus would turn to those disciples in that time when, he, when they tried to cast out an evil spirit out of a child and brought it to him. And the father said, they can't cast him out. Lord, if you can do anything, will you do something? And Jesus answered in Matthew 17, 17, oh, faithless, that's unbelieving and perverse generation, a generation that distorts and turn aside and opposes and plots against the saving purposes and plan of God. How long will I be with you? How long will I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. You think of this. You see, if this kind of faith would be expected of the disciples before Calvary, are you with me? Amen. Then what about after Jesus shed his blood and we're now operating under a greater blood? How much more should the power be in the church to cast Satan out? 
to heal the sick. Come on, to save the lost. To bring up the angels come and tap somebody on the shoulder. Amen. And bring him down to the altar for repentance. You don't believe that happens? That's exactly what happens. You don't come on your own. Nobody seeks after God. No, not one. It's God coming to you. The angels of God coming to buy your pew and saying, you better make that right, boy. Girl, you better make that right. Amen. But you know, God gave Israel a blood. He gave us a blood. And he had to display that blood. And I hear this prophet say, and to be scared when you were under the blood. I may believe you're under the blood. And then to be scared was an insult to Jehovah. If a man once under the blood feels afraid that God won't keep his word, it's an insult to him. Jehovah, perhaps this is your word, but I don't know if it's right or not. Shame on you. Why? Once under the blood, I am the Lord that healeth you. I believe that. That's all. Don't insult him. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I believe it. What's coming to the blood? Take his word for anything he says. Now, can you imagine God taking a bride to his home who won't believe all his word? God's going to have somebody that'll believe him. The message from God to Abraham contains in his prophecy a message of the coming of the end time, a message of the coming of the Lord and the long-awaited son. It also contains the saving of the church through the tribulation and also the judgment and the burning of, the, of, of Sodom, which will be the world. Genesis 18, 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I do? Can't you see that in the last day that God's obligation to Abraham's seed is to, is to reveal to them what his plan of redemption is? In other words, shake the seals off the book. Amen. Show the plan. So shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? I've got to reveal to him the mysteries. So it goes to show you there's an end time people who gets a visitation. Come on. Amen. Listen, not, not from Pensacola, not from Bob Jones, not from some of these schools or seminaries. Come on, somebody. But get a visitation from the angel of God. Amen. To bring them back to that faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now, he reveals the secret concerning the long-awaited son. The coming of Jesus back to earth again. The change of the body. The secret of redemption. What is he doing? He is breaking the silence. Removing the seals off his plan of redemption. And in doing so, at the same time, he's sending investigating angels. Now, in Ezekiel 9... You will see nine, and, and, and maybe we should just reference it. But in a way, he, he tells them, you know, there's a slaughter and angels are going forth. But before he does, he said, I want you to start at my house, and I want you to put a mark 
on all of those that sigh and cry for the abominations done in the city. Is that right? Now, of course, this is, this is played out in, in, uh, in, in, even in, in Titus with this surrounding Jerusalem and, and those that were in the housetop when they saw Jerusalem being compassed about with armies. Don't go get your steps. Flee, to the, flee out. Get out of the city. Leave out of there. Amen. What was that? It was the marking of God who believed the words of Jesus Amen. that when they saw the sign... Of the, of the Jerusalem being surrounded, get out of the city. But you know, again, this is only a prophecy of the last day. Come on. Amen. Because he, again, he, he is wanting us to make haste. When you see the signs coming, when you see it surrounded, when you see the solemn hour again, get out of it. Flee it. Because everyone that's a part of it is going to burn. Don't be caught in there. Now, listen. He says, slay utterly old and young and maids and little children and women. But come not nigh anybody that's got the mark. Begin in my sanctuary. And he put a mark on those who had sighed and cried for the abomination that is done in the city. And I want you to understand, it's a, that's a travail of soul. And Brother Bradham describes it as a person who's always hungering and thirsting for God. I'll tell you, one true sign of the Holy Ghost is you can't ever get enough of God. Amen. You just, you're happy for what you got, but you're longing for more. You want to know him in a greater way. Amen. That is an evidence of the indwelling spirit of God. And sin makes you sick. To where you sigh and you cry over the abomination, things that are going on that God hates. And it brings any true Christian into a soul travail. Brother Branham said, you know, he said, if someone say to me, now look, William Branham. I'm going to make you answer for a group of people. What you tell them. Now, what do, you want, what do you want them all to do? Do you want them all to shout? And he says, sure, I want them all to shout. Hey, listen, you, you slept out there, you, some of you churches. He wants us to shout. Do I want them to dance in the spirit? I want every one of them to. Did you hear that out there? Amen. All right. That's very good. But, you know, what would you, you want them to all speak with tongues? I want every one of them to. You say, Brother Tim, all everybody speak with tongues? Paul said, I would you all spoke with tongues. But rather that you prophesied. Right? Amen. So it's scriptural. And he said, well, that's very good. But what would you rather have them do? He said, I'd rather have a church that had such a burden on their heart for prayer that they just stayed at this altar and would be day and night and everything else in their house was constantly in prayer and humble and trying to get people to come to God and making calls at the hospital and visiting the sick and trying to get people to come to church and do right. I would rather have that than all the other put together. 
all the, although the other is right and it belongs in the church, but if I had to have it, I'd put that first because if you got that, the other will take place. Amen. If you get so hungry for God, shouting will take place. If you get hungry for God, speaking in tongues will take place. If you get hungry for God, you'll keep on hungry and keep yourself and you're going to see in yourself. But if you go see in yourself, get indifferent. There's another spirit trying to work itself in there. Stay right before God. Humble with travail of soul. He said, what if they come? What if God went through churches, the sealing angel, looking for those who would be at home or in churches, saying, God sent a revival. Just so hungry for a meeting. Oh, God, look at the sins of the city. Oh, isn't it terrible, God? Would you please send a revival? Would you send some good preacher? Send someone. Oh, Lord, just let the Holy Ghost... Would he seal? Think of that. Now, again, this is what he's looking for. He's looking for somebody that's got to care. They they are so sure this is going to happen. They are convinced that makes them concerned. So therefore, they have a concern for the lost. And he says, I believe that the doors of the Gentiles are closing together and the season is about over. And that's the reason you can't find a revival like that. You know, there's no travail of soul. You can't get that burden. And people have lost that burden. But he said, that's what the angel's looking for. And if you're losing it and you're becoming cold and indifferent and backslidden in your life, it's time to check up. Because the sealing angel will only seal those who are sighing and crying for the abomination done in the city. They look over this sin-cursed world and it smites their heart. Look, some are looking at it and like Lot, they want to go toward Sodom. But your look toward it will cause a travail. God, save my boy, save my daughter. You see him walking to church, the piano playing, Jesus keep me near the cross, tears flowing down, walking to church, hear them, there's a precious fountain, and the cry coming out, God, lay some soul on my heart. Save that boy, Lord. Save that girl. She's lost, but you don't find it no more. And let me just tell you, it's rare to find it even in message churches. The Spirit of God is withdrawn. Jesus predicted it would be that way. Because iniquity would abound, the love of many would actually wax cold. You know, and, and he said the love is dying away. He said what they got into just to form, beat up the... Beat the piano up and down real hard and holler glory, hallelujah, and praise the Lord. And, and that's just a form. And people have, they can just make it a form. That's just what we do when we come to church. We get noisy and we clap our hands and we shout a little bit and we go home. And that became a form. But you know, most of the form is that everybody just as quiet as a mouse and nobody says an amen. You couldn't, you couldn't buy an amen out of them. 
You know, uh, again, you know, this, this is what we're finding. It's a, it, and, and, and church is not to be something where we're just acting. But it's got to be a life that is being displayed. Oh, my. Now, as we look at this for a moment, let me hurry. And, and he, 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 he talked about it just like the casting of the net. And he says, you know, as you cast them, and he's, the net, he said, you get, in Jesus' parable, you get everything from crabs to, you know, snakes and, and spiders and whatever else that you get in this net when you cast. But you get a few fishes too. Right? So you cast that net, and he said, the, the pond's almost sane. In other words, we're coming down to where we're going to find the last name on the book. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. And, and he said, Jesus will come and he'll take his fish in. And the serpent and the snake, the snake, the serpent, the spider, the whatever, just crawl right back out into the pond. And he says these words. Oh, if there's one speck of Christianity in you, if there's one speck of desire for you to serve God, Hold it as tight as you can this morning and cherish it with all your heart. Amen. Oh my, for the, that same angel coming into the city which the Holy Spirit dressed in white like his purity. If that angel come to this city, went through the Pentecostal churches, where in the world would he find men that sighs and cries and begs all night long in prayer for the abomination done in the city? Who would he mark? We're going to find out who's got the Holy Ghost one of these days. I'm marking angel investigating judgment. The angels went and looked down at Sodom for righteousness. Notice the plea of Abraham, if you find 50 righteous. So the angels, they're going down there. They're not looking for faith. They're looking for righteousness. So they go down to Sodom, you know, because at Sodom, he's going to separate the righteous from the wicked. You wonder sometimes what's going on and people taking sides and, you know, the liberal agenda and the conservative agenda. I'll tell you, it's the angels going forth separating. You may not think it that way, but let me just tell you, there are things that are happening in the supernatural realm. That, you, that are invisible to the naked eye. And just as sure as the angel of God separated you, amen, and put faith in your heart, he's out there looking out there in the world today to find the righteous ones and gathering them together for the tribulation period. For they will be saved in the tribulation. Actually, they're saved on this side, but they, they will, in the tribulation, they give their life. Be, you read the Bible, Revelation chapter 12, they'll be hunted down, destroyed. The last verses of Revelation 12 tells you that. He went looking for faith when he appeared to Abraham. And find Sarah had none, 
He raised her faith. Because a faithless and perverse generation cannot bring forth the promised son. So the angels of God were bringing a total separation from unbelief for the bride and giving to Abraham the change of the body. On the other hand, in Sodom, he, they, the angels are looking for a speck of righteousness in Lot. You know, revealing the salvation through tribulation. The investigating Sodom, judging them, and giving them the reward of their sins through their burning. If you'll look with me to Genesis 18, 20, and the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see, investigate, whether they have done according to the cry of it, and which is coming to me, and if not, I will know it. And the men turned their faces from then and went towards Sodom. Yet Abraham stood before the Lord, 19.1. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate. And Lot, seeing those, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with, with his face toward the ground. And here shows three anointings. Three end-time anointings. The Lord Abraham, Elohim, God himself with Abraham's group and two angels who go down to Sodom and these two angels will represent the end time anointing used to call the church, not the bride, but the church out of Sodom. Now, one anointing will be largely upon evangelicals. Billy Graham would personify that anointing. The other angel would come, uh, anointing would come upon the Pentecostal charismatics, and all Roberts would personify that anointing. Now, these angels are not Billy Graham and all Roberts. They are anointings that were manifested on these men and the preachers to the church. Now, not the bride, the church. And righteous Lot represented the church, and the angels represent the anointing that comes upon the ministry to the church. And you cannot watch a Billy Graham sermon without knowing that man was anointed. That's the truth. He was anointed to call people out of Sodom, to bring a separation. Amen. What was it? God looking for righteousness. Listen, I, I watched Billy Graham here some time ago in a, in a, when I was in a cabin. Brother Dan Dyer and I was there together. And, you know, there's, I'm not much in the football, so I, I didn't look at that. But I, I, flicked, I found Billy Graham there in a 1968 or 9 uh, meeting there. In, it was in England. And there, you know, he had his, he had his glasses on, you know, the teardrop glasses, the style of the time, and, and, and um, big, big lenses on, and, and uh, he, was, he was preaching a message, and somebody had criticized him and said, it's the motion of the music, of you singing just as I am, that's causing him to, to come. And so that service, he wouldn't even play anything. But he had, you know, the, the whole deal of, of one of their rock stars that come up and sang a little 
kind of halfway gospel song, you know, uh, you know, they, here's a rock star that's been saved. And then they had a football coach, uh, was, which their soccer is football. So their soccer coach, you know, was a big name in England. And he come up and told how he accepted the Lord and so on. And, you know, just showing, you know, it's cool to, you know, you, you can be a rock star or ball player or whoever and accept the Lord. And it's cool. It's a chick thing to do, you know. And, and whatever, and Billy Graham then gets up and he preaches his sermon. And as, after he preaches, he brings it down. He says, now I'm just going to call. And those of you that want to repent and come to Christ, come to him now. And he stood there. I'm waiting. And without any music or anything. And tens of thousands. Listen. I looked and at least 50,000 people were moving out of the stadiums in union, in unity, coming right down there to accept Christ as their Savior. You can't do that without an anointing. I'll tell you what, you know, I don't know of another preacher so anointed that so many would move. What was that? What moved them? An angelic anointing. It was God trying to find a righteous one and separating them from the sodomites. Are you with me? Amen. The same thing on the other hand with Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was anointed. There were many that were healed in his meetings. Bonafide, genuine healings. Amen. Amen. And then he turns into his prosperity message and many embraced that. What again? God was looking to try to bring in a separation. Now, again, Sodom represents a world condition. It shows how the world has become so perverted that anything sacred or holy, they want to pervert it. And we have been moving steadily. If you go back, and even in our recent history, where that men begin to, or women begin to take on women's clothes. And now men are beginning to take on women's clothes. And now we're in this Sodom world condition. And it shows that the world has become so perverted that anything that is sacred are holy that wanted to pervert it. You know, one what, what of the things, first things this administration did was to roll back the, 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 and, and say, we'll not have it taught in our schools about God and the Pilgrim Fathers. We're going to teach a progressive type of history that is all inclusive and neutral. You know, again, it's a perversion of our of, of our, um, our, our heritage. Amen. They will pervert marriage that is a sacred act between a man and a woman and made it legal to make a marriage between um, males or between females with females. Right. Romans 1.24, and I'm going to read this from another version, but hang on here. This is why God lift off Lifted off his restraining hand. I want you to get this thought. This is Romans 1.24. If you want to look at it in King James. This God gave them up to him cleanliness. He actually lifts up his restraining hand. Okay, I'm going to just let you do whatever you're going to do. 
Amen. He turns the world over to their own lust. Let you progress right on into sodomy. Into Laodicea. Brother, I'll tell you, you don't ever want God's restraining hand to be taken off of you. That's right. Amen. Sometimes there's a restraining hand with you young people. Your parents, it's God's restraining hand. Sometimes it's the pulpit. Are you with me? Which is God's restraining hand. Don't go that direction. Don't dress like that. Don't look like that. Don't be like one of them. You think it's hard. I'm trying to save you from the burning. Amen. It's difficult. It's difficult to, to preach against short hair and, and painted faces and high heels and, 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 and cross-dressing and men with long hair and women with short hair. It's, it's difficult to preach on those things. But to, you want to save them. Don't go that direction. It's God's restraining hand. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God made rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praises to him for eternities and eternity. And for this reason, God gave them over to their own disgraceful and vile passions, inflamed with lust one for another. Have you ever seen lust so flame so high? I mean, millions of dollars, billions of dollars in pornography. If I brought you the stats, it's shocking how many in one second, in one second time of every day of porn sites that are visited, hits upon them. Amen. God gave them over to their own disgraceful and vile passions inflamed with lust. One for another, men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relations for homosexuality. And women engaged in lesbian conduct and men committed shameful acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their deviation. And because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave them over to a worthless mindset. Now, here's the danger. If you won't take what God's word said, he'll give you over to a worthless mindset. He'll withdraw his restraining hand. You'll grieve him away for the last time. Their sinful lives become full of every kind of evil and wicked scheme, greed and cruelty. Their hearts overflowed with jealous cravings and with conflict and strife, which drove them into hateful arguments and murder. They are deceitful liars full of hostility. They are gossips who love to spread malicious slander. With inflated egos, they hurl hateful insults at God. Yet they are nothing more than arrogant boasters. They are rebels against their parents, totally immoral. They are senseless, faithless, ruthless, heartless, completely merciless. 
although they are aware of God's laws and proper order and knowing that those who do all of these things deserve to die, yet they go headlong into darkness, encouraging others to do the same and applauding them when they do it. Second Timothy 3 and 1, similar translation. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. People will become self-centered lovers of their own selves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. They will slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. And with brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Now, these horrible men of Sodom demanded Lot to give the angels to them so they could violate the angels. Genesis 19.5, in the NIV, they called to Lot, where are these men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. This was, this was the, the Sodomites. This is what they would do to something righteous and holy and pure. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Listen, I don't know if you're awake or asleep anymore in this, in, in this time that we're living in, but have you read the news lately where they're blaming right now, blaming Christian homeschool curriculum for the rights that happened at the, the Capitol building, specifically mentioning Becca and Bob Jones and ACE? The media blaming what happened in Washington on on Christian teaching. Hmm. Where are we? Where have we come? We have the first openly gay person now in Biden's White House cabinet as the Secretary of Transportation. That is, if he gets affirmed. Then Biden's choice of Assistant Secretary of U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is a man who wants to be a woman, calls itself a transgender, Rachel Levine. And by the way, Twitter, as of today, has suspended a Christian magazine from the focus of the family for saying that Biden's trans nominee is a man who considers himself a woman and calls that hateful conduct. It's cancel culture. Trying to force that no man can buy or sell unless you identify with them. Listen, listen, folks, we're here where, where the environment is being set up for a cancel culture. Are you with me? Amen, where, where no one can buy or sell. You can't even advertise or, or even be a president. 
could even post his views because of cancel culture. And we're coming right down where no man will buy or sell. You're not able to even advertise on Twitter, Facebook, and all these other, or even have your, your news out there or whatever else unless it conforms to their agenda. Amen. This is where we're at. The spirit of Sodom. Come on now. If the angels of God are here, demons are also here. And the spirit of Sodom is here upon the world and upon our nation. And God is giving them up. Do what you want to. You say, Brother Jim, why could this be? Because there has to come people in place. Just like it was when Mary... And Joseph was to go down to, to Bethlehem to be counted in the census. And God, God there raised up a man to fulfill the word. It had to get from Nazareth down to Bethlehem for Jesus to be born. And took an ungodly king with ungodly laws, with harsh laws, to force the word to fulfillment. And let me tell you, God has brought men into position to bring the word of God to pass. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. And I'll tell you what, some of it is just like it was in the days of Elijah. Are you with me? In the days of Elijah, what happened? There was a, there was a, a man that, he, that, that raised up, called himself a prophet. And said, you know, with these two horns, God will, God will raise up and push them off and, 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 um, and, and give the, the land back to Israel. And, and, and Elisha said, well, how can God bless what, what he has cursed? And he said, and, and who, who was the prophet? Somebody help me right quick. Amen. Somebody tried to say it. What was it? Micah. Micah the prophet. There's a Bible reader, at least one of us. Amen. Michael stood up and he said, well, I got the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord is that I saw a spirit rise up out of hell. When God said, who can deceive Ahab that he'll go down to the battle? And God said, and he said, how will you do it? He said, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of their prophets. And there a lion spirit went forth from the presence of God to go in there to fulfill the word. And let me tell you, there are spirits in this age that are bringing about the fulfillment of prophecy. A lion spirit deceiving the people. But God's word is not going to fall to the ground. Amen. Now this is the job of the two anointings upon men. Today, they are anointed by the angels to call men out of Sodom, and the same preaching of the gospel blinds the eyes of the unbeliever. So some will believe by it, and some will be blinded by it. And that was what the angels did, blinded the Sodomites that they couldn't see the door. Now, you see, it was an angelic anointing that anointed thousands to respond to Graham. It was the anointing of the angel that inspired thousands to, 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 when, to believe 
uh, for divine healing when Oral Roberts preached it. You know, look at the preachers of the charismatic realm that got on that faith wagon and even his prosperity message and he was doing his part, calling out a Sodom, bringing a separation. You'll find it righteous ones here and righteous ones there. For what? The tribulation. Hallelujah. But if that anointing is upon men, upon preachers in this day, amen, under the evangelicals and in the faith movements, Somebody help me preach. If that anointing is still alive and moving and calling, then the anointing of Elohim is still with the church today. He is still looking out, trying to find faith and putting faith in the hearts of God's children. Will I find faith? I want to say, brothers and sisters, we are under anointing. We are not here in this time alone. We are not by ourselves. Amen. But there is a greater one than what you see among us. He's the one who heals the sick. He's the one that saves the lost. He's the one that casts out devils. He's the one that moves in our service. He's the one that says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm doing extreme things to get you to believe. I want you to tell you this morning, we are under the influence of a mighty angel. It's the angel of the covenant. It's the pillar of fire. It's the Holy Ghost. And it's the Holy Ghost that fills you. It's the Holy Ghost that seals you. And it's the Holy Ghost that will rapture you. will break the yoke of sin and unbelief and unrighteousness and filthiness of all this world. It'll break every yoke because I'll have a bride and she'll be without spot or without wrinkle or without a blemish. I'll have a people for my name's sake. Lights. We're used to hearing about lights. There's a light over that woman there. She has such and such problem. Her name is so-and-so. She came from so-and-so. We're, we're familiar in this message with a pillar of fire, with a light. Let me just tell you, friends, we're in a day of angelic visitations. They're not going to get less. They're going to get more. And they will crescendo in lights coming from glory. Coming out swiftly. Even as Brother Branham would say, I saw seven of them. They come so fast, I couldn't hardly count them. You know, say, well, you know where they're five, where they're seven. But here they come, you know, qu- quicker than a blink of an eye. And they were there. And it caught me up in the midst of them. 
Amen. And the, and the revelations that came from that bottle. Let me, let me tell you, this was no, this was no Joseph Smith and golden plates. This was the Bible coming alive. This was the word of God, not, not something dug up out somebody's ground somewhere, some mystic golden plate with some interpretation, but the Bible, the very King James Version Bible, vindicated. And said, I was taught this by an angel. He was standing before them who would argue with him about the, about the Godhead. And he says, but brothers, this is how I was taught by the angel of the Lord. The same one who never fails, never misses. And those seals, if I ever had anything inspired of God, it was that. He said, I was there in the room about to go to my old thinking, my old ways. You know what so-and-so said. I'd preached it this way in the past. But about that time, he came in the room and changed my thoughts forever. And is perfectly with the scripture. We're back in the day where God would take a light, would appear, and use dust to speak through. He would do it in the days of Abraham. Coming from that holy dimension of the Logos, the pillar of fire, and there hover over some soil, and there he would change that soil, bring out the 16 elements, step into a body, walk down, and sit down with Abraham. He would eat flesh, drink the milk of the cow and the butter. He would dare talk to Abraham in his own language. And I hear Brother Branham saying in this, he says, he said, I pray, Father, you'll wake the people up and let them see they're living like a modern Sodom and Gomorrah. Granted, Lord, they'll see that that angel that was promised to visit you, human flesh. And Lord, we know that that angel is a messenger from heaven, which is the Holy Ghost. It is him that wants to work through us the will of God to call the church. Grant it, Lord. Send them again tonight. Send that great Elohim that came down in dust and made himself known because he can talk to man through the dust. Use the dust that's in here, Lord, that's been consecrated to you, this sanctified dust by the blood of Jesus. Use them. That ought to be our cry this morning, Lord. Use the dust that you have sanctified to reveal yourself in this Sodom age to Abraham's seed. Now, this angel would initiate the coming of the Lord. It would initiate the gospel and power to bring on his second coming. God doing extraordinary things. But let me tell you about this angel. This angel... This is the one who would be sent to Brother Branham when he was there in 1946 at the first occurrence. We would come and like a great a light. And next thing out of that light came a couple of feet. And these feet 
then would come to the hem of a garment and come up and finally show the face of a man standing there, six foot tall, 200 pounds, coming right out of a light. When he would converse and give his message, he would turn back to that light and go right through the wall. You say, that's impossible, Brother Tim. Jesus did it after his resurrection. Lights, mystic lights, something that the church world knows little about. They've long forgot about the Logos, the pillar of fire, and how he divided himself on the day of Pentecost to give each man a portion of his own life. They long forgot. In fact, they come to the place, we don't need angels today. Well, I'm going to just say even Jesus needed angels. The Bible said in Matthew 4.11, this is after he got the Holy Ghost. Matthew 4.11, then the devil leaveth him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. There are just those days I feel like I need that ministry. There's just those days when I fought it out that I feel just like Jesus did. Come on. I'm not, even, I'm not even half the man Jesus was or a quarter or a third or whatever you want to say. I'm not, you know, but here, here again, you know, I, I need that. Angels came and ministered to him. In, in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I kind of feel that way too. Here we are in a very trying hour. Perhaps this is our Gethsemane. Perhaps this is one of the darkest nights that we've ever been in in this message. Are you with me? Amen. But today I say, oh angel of God, it's time for your appearance. I need that strength coming from the angel of God. I need a touch from Elohim. I need a touch from the Almighty. I can't go on. I need a strengthening. Matthew 26, 53. He talks about the angels at his assistance. And he said, don't you think, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will put at my disposal more than 12 legions? That's 80,000 Angels. We're talking about a book of Acts church. We preach about a book of Acts church. We say, you know, if the vine ever puts forth another branch, you'll write another book of Acts behind it. Did you know the new church had more angels ministering than the Old Testament did? Hello? The New Testament, more angels there than the Old Testament? You know, there's ministering spirits that are sent from the presence of God. 
Amen. Brother Branham said, what's this angel of the Lord? We know this true. What kind of nature it has. It bears the same fruit that it did like it when it was on the earth. Now it's back in the church bearing the same fruit, making another Pentecostal church just exactly like it did in the first time. The angel of the Lord making another Pentecostal church. And if that angel truly comes from God and is sent from God, it's bound to be. It's a direct message from glory. Again, he says and he declares, God takes his man, but he never takes his spirit. And I want to declare to you again, just because that God took the prophet off the scene doesn't mean that the angel of God is left. Let me just say it, just because Billy Graham and Oral Roberts are gone doesn't mean that men are not anointed with that same anointing today and making a separation. But I want you to look and see what happened at the angels' return. Their bodies begin to change. Abraham travels 40 miles to the career for the purpose that the story can be wrote of this young king of Bimelech to show us that God has changed a 90-year-old woman to where she is beautiful and desirable. He had to change her. And I want you to know that here we are living in, in the day and the hour of the angel's return. It's his visitation. And in his visitation, he said, I will return. Yeah, he came to a prophet. He used a prophet. He used his ministry. But he promised before the change, I will return again. There is to be the return of the angel. Now, I don't care how the return is because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Maybe, maybe, it's not, maybe it's not that he's not been here. I don't think that's it. Amen. But it, it is that we just became where we were less cognate of him. We got so involved in this and that and the other and theology and man's ideas and so on until we failed to recognize the living presence of the living God among us. But it's a time and the hour for him to appear again. To do what? To give that strength to Sarah. Body changing strength. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Amen. We often think discernment being the last sign. Brother Brandon, we're often talking about you're seeing your last sign. But it's not. The bride is the last sign. The last sign is Elohim in human flesh. Is that right? Amen. And he said, he said his church would be there without spot or wrinkle. She's going to stand there in the splendor of him. His word manifests. She'll be a token or a sign to the world. Oh, my. He says, in the, again, the trial, I challenge you to believe that Jesus Christ is being revealed in the son of, form of the Son of Man in human flesh through the bride's body. Again, he was saying it was showing a sign that God was in flesh. Jesus was God in flesh. And if Jesus is in you tonight, it's still him manifesting the last day, the Son of Man revealing himself in his church, the human flesh making himself known. Now, so you see, it is still the revealing 
of the Son of Man. It was revealed in a prophet, but it's got to be revealed in bride form. Amen. So now he will have to change Sarah. And, and to do that, she's 90 years old. Her milk veins are dried up. They're past being barren in her age. She's got to be returned. Her heart's got to be changed. Amen. She's too weak to give forth labor. Is somebody with me? Stay with me just for a moment. Amen. Because again, you see, there has to be something that changes Sarah. Now, the message came to turn her back to believing. But then the angels return the visitation to cause her to be changed. Oh, I hear Brother Bradham say it. The church is ready. She's sealed in, ready to come. There will be a big outpouring of the, of the Spirit, yes, sir, to grab that church and take her into the skies. Because see, the church, the Word, the Bride, and Christ, His ministry is in the Bride, which is His body, the supernatural spiritual body of you. On the earth, His Spirit is living His life right out into Him. And the church becomes one for the wedding. All right. Again, what is the Holy Ghost? It's all coming forth of the Holy Spirit so that great churches being filled up and chugged full of the great powers of Almighty God until it's got a place into the very works that Jesus done has manifested itself right in the church now. Look again, adoption time. The church waiting on you and me. Adoption time when God can pour into us his fullness, his power, his resurrection. That when Christ and the church become so close together till Christ becomes visible among us and raises the dead. And we go into rapture. Amen. Amen. Oh, again, God's little flock that believes the word. How many is one of them? That little flock that believes the word. Its mechanics is ready too. It's ready for the dynamics to set it afire with the Holy Ghost. Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good will to give you the kingdom. The Holy Ghost will strike a little church that's come out from the world. Women that wears long hair. Nazarite to prove they're separated themselves from the world. Oh my. But God's got a loyal group of people, a genuine flock, who don't care what the world says. They believe Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's going to send another shaking. I'm just reminding you of the angel's return. God's going to send another shaking. Amen. And there's still somebody out there somewhere that's a predestinated seed that the light has to fall on somewhere, somewhere in the world. Amen. I believe we're on the brink of one of the greatest outpourings that's ever been, ever had in this age. I believe it. I can't say the Lord told me. It's just something inside of me catching a hold of something that I hadn't seen in all my life till just now. In the token, I am looking for a break forth of the Spirit of God in these last days that we're living in for another surge of the Holy Ghost into the church for a rapture in faith before it comes. I wonder what your expectations are. Amen. Oh my, it's not that God's forgot us. God is here. It's not that God has left us alone. God is present. Hallelujah. He said, now you're going to see something happen. I'm only building the hours close at hand where you're going to see something happen when something's going to take place. And all this background here has been laying a foundation for a short, quick message that will shake the whole nations. I wonder if you are ready to be a part 
to be a body that Elohim can step into. Amen, that he can reveal himself in. Now let me bring this down to a close. Brother Branham didn't believe in little green men who came from flying saucers. But in Genesis, there were three men that came walking up. Appeared from nowhere. Like I said, the light, the pillar of fire hovered, hovered over some dust, pulled from its elements, needed to make a body, stepped into it and disappeared again. Perhaps leaving a pile of dust somewhere. And, you know, there's been a lot of carnal fantastics along the way. A lot of silly little ideas. And Brother Bradham would talk about that. He said, these little carnal things, impersonation, little fantastics. And he talks about a church in Dallas, Texas. They had people standing on the streets. People, the minister actually put in the paper, little supermans coming out of heaven and flying saucers and going to come down, prove this revival center was a real genuine Holy Spirit was in it. Had people standing on the street looking for such as that. And he said, how far can the Christian church stoop down and eat from a garbage can? There's no such a thing as that word sheep don't listen to, to stuff like that. Certainly not. I don't care if flying saucers flew through the building and everything else unless that dove, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, is there, brother, no need of having anything. But now, though he was aware of the fantastics and the fanaticism and all the, 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 the little rumors and ideas and floating stories, but he was also aware of in the Bible where there was a man called Enoch who walked with God and was not. He simply was there one moment and gone the next. We're not talking about science fiction now. We're talking about Bible. He was very aware of another rapture where Elijah was taken up. Now, I believe he was taken up into Abraham's bosom. That's where I think he went, paradise, without death. But Elijah taken up into paradise without death. And he went in a fiery chariot with horses of fire and a chariot of fire and was caught up by whirlwind. Moved up into the heavens. Light, mystic lights. Jesus was standing there at the very end of his ministry, talking to his disciples, and suddenly light came under his feet, and he was caught up, not into a thunderhead, but into a supernatural cloud, and vanished from sight. That was a rapture. In the message paradox, he says we see the world geographically. We see the signs, earthquakes in diverse places, nations against nations. We see all things as predicted. We see fearful sights in the skies. Man's heart's failing, flying saucers and so forth they can't explain. Investigating judgments 
coming down to the earth. We see atomic bombs hanging out yonder everywhere. And the great missiles that can carry total destruction in an hour. We see the gases hanging right above us there that would rain down the fire down out of heaven and destroy the earth. But we see Jesus also who made the promise, who said this same Jesus that was taken up from you will come again in like manner as you've seen him go to heaven. And we're watching for that great day to come. Christ revealed in his own word, you see these little pockets going to the air. They call saucers. Well, we better leave that alone. You hear all these people come up missing and say they don't hear from them no more. They're standing there. They're not there. Now, see, those can be made-up stories and fictitious things and men's imaginations. But listen to this. But that's the way the rapture is going to be. One of them will drop. We're talking about them lights. God is a light. He's a pillar of fire. He come on the day of Pentecost and licks of him come out birth and sons. One of them will drop down here. And this terrestrial body will take on a celestial body. And there'll be hide hair, bones left. It'll be transformed in a moment of time, dropping right out of space and taking home that. We see this all going on. They're wandering, Pentagons wandering, mystic lights are seeing them in the sky. You see one here in the paper, Jeffersonville this week, a mystic light. Oh, so they don't know what that is. But listen, little children, it's going to pick you up one of these days. See, don't you worry. As Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom. Missing people. What happened just before Sodom? God came down with angels. They had an investigating judgment. I've heard the cry was so sinful, so great. I've come down to find out whether it's all together the truth or not. That's right. What's that main one that stayed with Abraham? Could discern the thoughts that was in Sarah's heart. Now you look around just a little bit and notice and watch what it's doing. Doing the same today is an investigating judgment. Why? After a while, and I believe we're in that after a while, the church, when it can stay in that place and every seed has been brought to its spot, they'll be gone. They won't know what happened to them. One will be going one way. One will be going on uh, to the pastor's house. One will be going over here, down here. The first thing you know, they're not there. For Enoch, which was a type, God took him and he was found not. Come down to investigate the continuity, how the Enoch translation, a type of Israel being carried over in the ark. Missing people can't see you no more, but you're getting together with the rest of the group. Now, this is what he said. One day, if you die, you will leave your body here. You will step into another body that's eternally waiting in the heavens. And there you will join with the other theophanies in a body that is incorruptible. The Bible said that we'll drop these clothes and be clothed upon. 
with another body, with a temple, he says, that's not made with hands. As I said, and it's, you know, when darkness comes in, as you're drawing your last breath, and it begins to be all dark, it comes this little light, and you just start moving toward that light. And you just follow into that light, and it'll lead you right into a beautiful open area, panoramic area where thousands of saints will be coming to greet the new arrivals. But if you happen to be among those that are alive and remain, those that are in their theophanies will come here and they will appear among us. And when they do, you're going to see them. And when you see them, there's going to change starts happening. You'll feel this change sweep over you. But I want you to know what happens is your theophany, your body that he's prepared for you will come to you. And it'll sweep right over this body and it'll change you while you're standing on your feet. And you'll be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, and be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we will forever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. That's the only comfort that I have in this hour. Not a new president, not a new political system, but the coming of Jesus back to the earth. Let's stand together. Amen. Let the musicians come. What a day that will be. What a day. What a day. To realize you're living in that day where you'll be caught up to meet the Lord. Play that song, What a Day That Will Be. What a day that will be when my Jesus and I look upon the one who me by his grace and when he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land oh what a day a glorious day that will be sing it one more time
far.